All right, we want to welcome our online audience today. How many are glad to be in the house of the Lord? You guys sound amazing. Sound amazing today. We're going to continue in our series, the DNA Summer Series. We're finding out who God created us to be. We're going to pick back up on a thought we started a few weeks ago on finding the real you. Remember when we talked about this, that we got to stop auditioning for a part we've already been given. That God's already pushed this buzzard. He's already turned his chair around and says, I want you on my team. I've chosen you to be on my family. I've chosen you to be a part of my family, my team. God created us to include us. God has wants us to stop trying to win his love and affirmation and realize he's already given it to us by his grace. And now we just got to accept it and move in because I'm already loved. I'm already chosen as we just sung about. Why did God create us? Have you ever thought about that question? Why did God create us? We are all very unique and personal in our creation. From our fingerprints to our DNA, everything is unique to us. Nobody has the same fingerprints that you have. Nobody in the history of time, nobody will ever come along who has the same history of fingerprints that you have. You have unique DNA that only you have. When we have DNA that's shared with relatives, but only partially shared, only you contain your personal DNA that will follow you for the rest of your life. We know this, that God has given every one of us special talents, special abilities, special giftings. Look at this statement. The danger we face, though, is that we face is when we let what we do define who we are. For many people in this room, it's, I'm a teacher. I'm a business owner. I'm a parent. What are you today? Who are you? When we let what we do define who we are, we're setting ourselves up for a great fall. What happens when you're no longer doing that? You have to be grounded in who you are as Christ. You got to be grounded in who you are as Christ. Let me say this to you. You are bigger than any mistake you've ever made. You are bigger than any title you've ever been given. You are bigger than any position you've ever had. God has got something bigger and it's called a child of God. You're already chosen today. So let's go right in and look how Satan tries to steal this from us, change who we are, and get us thinking differently. We're going to look at the second temptation. We looked at the first one already. Now let's go to the second temptation of Christ. Luke 4, let's look at verses 5 and 8. Then the devil led him up, talking about Jesus, to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all of their authority and splendor, for it has all been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, I will, it will all be yours. And then Jesus answered him, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Satan steps up and tempts Jesus and says, I will give you all authority. Time out. Only one problem. Jesus was already given all authority. Jesus was already given all authority on heaven and in earth. He had already been given authority over every kingdom. 
So look at Philippians 2, 10 and 11. Look what it says about Jesus. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue shall declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus already had the Father's given authority. And so when Satan comes to him and says, I'll give you this authority if you'll just bow down to me. What he was trying to do was trying to get Jesus to shortcut to his destiny. The father had already destined that he would send his son to die. That he would become the perfect lamb. He is Jehovah Jireh. Was the name that he gave Abraham when Abraham took his son up the mountain to be sacrificed. And as he obeyed God, God stopped him in mid-flight. He says, Abraham, look up. Don't kill your son. I provided another way. And he sent a ram, a lamb there in the bush to sacrifice. And foreshadowing what would happen when the Jesus Christ came to this earth. He was the perfect lamb of God. And this time, the father didn't stop, but he sacrificed his son that you and I could live. That you and I could be forgiven. That you and I could be redeemed. And so he was Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. And so there was a reason why he had to lay down his life. There was a reason why he had been given all authority. There was a reason why all kingdoms are going to confess that he is Lord. Because he is the one who gave his life for you and I. He was the one who sacrificed. It wasn't just any lamb. It was the king of kings and the Lord of lords who gave his life for you and I. And so God had a plan. And Satan says, I got a much easier way. Why don't you just, why don't you follow my plan? And Jesus responds to him. At the very end, he responded. And that, that last bit came out of a passage, a longer passage in Deuteronomy 6. 4 through 13. Let's read that whole passage so we can kind of understand what Jesus was throwing back at Satan. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. Love your Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Tell them to your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. Do you, do you think God had something he wanted us to tell our children? Listen, too many people are not telling your children who they are in God. And God said, listen, Jesus, remember, this is what we got to do. We tell them in the morning. We tell them in the night. We tell them when we're riding in the car. We tell them when we pick them up from school. We let them know they are children of God. They belong to God. And he goes on to say, listen, you got to know this. Write it everywhere. Write it on your fridge. Put it on your mantle. Put it on your mirrors at home. Get this into your spirit. What do you say? When the Lord God brings you in to the land, he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to you a land with large, flourishing cities that you did not build, houses filled, all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and you're satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, 
And then Jesus says, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. He quoted right there. He was referring to this whole passage when God said, remember, remember, remember who brought you there. Remember who fed you. Remember who provided for you. Remember who provided the way when it didn't seem like there was a way. Remember who answered your prayer. Remember who blessed you beyond what you thought you could be blessed. He says, remember this and teach it to your children. See, the test would Jesus, he was testing Jesus' independence. Would Jesus do this, his plan, or would he fulfill the Father's plan? Look at this. The, the test is this. Will I use my God-given opportunities to bring personal glory? Let me give it to you another way. Will I build my kingdom, or will I build God's kingdom? Am I building my ministry or am I building God's ministry? Am I building God's business or am I building my business? W what is it? That's where the test comes and it, it's nothing new. The enemy's been doing this forever. He wants us to abandon, it's a trap. We can all fall into it. He's been using this trap since the beginning of time. Eve, eat of this tree. God said don't eat of it. Only one thing you can't do. Why? Because he wants you to be like him. He don't want you to be like him. Come on, eat of it, Eve, and you'll be, you will be like God. Jesus, bow down to me and everybody will bow down to you. Satan attacked Eve in the garden. He attacked Jesus in the wilderness. And he'll attack you tomorrow when you get up out of bed. Independence. It's a thing you can do. Can I do this without God? An independent spirit says, I can do this. I've got this. This is my ministry. This is my business. This is mine. This is my mind. And it's a total opposite of what God expects us and wants us to do. This is the very thing that brought Satan down. This is the very thing that got Satan kicked out of heaven. This same spirit. Look what Isaiah 14, 12 through 14 reminds us and tells us this. Talking about Satan, how have you fallen from heaven, O morning star? Son of the dawn, you have been cast down to the earth. You once laid low the nations and you said in your heart, I will send to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. It's a trap. It's a trap that Satan wants us to fall in as well. He fell for it. He got him kicked out of heaven. And the Bible is very clear. It says this, that God resists the proud and he exalts the humble. So when I go around and say, it's me, I did this, I can do this, I accomplished this. It's a trap that the enemy lays for our life. Remember when your kids came to you and said, I can dress myself. I don't need your help. I'm not talking about when they're 16. I'm talking about when they're really little, okay? You're like, all right, big boy, go in there and show me what you got. And they come out in the middle of July wearing sweatpants, tucked into their cowboy boots, some big long Christmas sweater and a big sock cap and it's 105 degrees outside. And they're like, I'm like, listen, 
If you want to do that thing, you can stay home. But if you're going with me, get in there and put something on that matches that your mama got out for you. I am not taking you to the mall looking like that. You're going to stay home or you're going to match one or the other. But it was so funny because we, we see their independence and we, we see them trying to do things on their own and we realize they're not ready for it yet, are they? They're not ready. They need our help. For, for many of us, though, you know, it's cute when it's a small child. We laugh, but it's not cute when we're adults. And we're like, God, I can do this. God, I can do this. God, it's mine. Let me, let me do it, God. I got this. Independence from God is a trap that the enemy is setting for every one of our lives. Let me give you some of these traps. Independent thinking, it frames me as the center of the universe. This is my ministry. This is my job. This is my family. This is my, my, everything's my, my. And it centers me at the center of the universe. Instead of saying, no, it's God's. It's God's. Early on, when I, when I started Destiny Church, I had a lot of people that would come to me and say, I want to go to your church. And I'm telling them, I don't have a church. Sorry. I, I want to come to your church. I want to visit your church. I say, it ain't my church. Number one, it's God's church. And number two, it's our church together. <laughs> Listen, if you think this church is great, it's not because of Pastor Gene. It's because of all the awesome people we've had over the years who are serving and supporting. Yeah. It's not me. It's God. It's got to be that way. There's nothing worse for a coach than to see a player who celebrates making a touchdown or, or hitting a home run or doing something great and they make it all about themselves. You know what I'm talking about? They score a touchdown. They're in the end zone. They go to the camera and like this. Hey, the name back here. Woo, woo, woo. Hey, anyway, right there, back there. The name back there. We're like, dude. Do you not realize the coaches stayed here until midnight all week long coming up with a game plan? They sacrificed time away from their family to be there watching film. Do you not realize there was teammates out there? You had linemen out there blocking for you so that the quarterback had enough time to sit back there and throw the pass to you. And you catch it and get in the end zone like you're the one who did it. You ain't the man. The whole team accomplishes that together. And that's how we look, how foolish we look when you say, this is mine. Look what I did. Look what I did. Ah, God used me. Ha ah, ah. Come on, really? Get over yourself. No one, no one accomplishes anything alone. And I see this because it's a trap. And so many young ministers I know fall for this trap. And they, they want to build up their ministry. They think they're doing it in the name of the Lord. But they allow their ego to get involved. And they take too much ownership in it. And they're setting themselves up. For a big failure. Listen, none of us have done anything alone. Number one, it's because of God and his mercy. Number two, it's because of the people that God's brought into my life. It's a trap. Don't fall for it. It's a trap of shortcuts. Enemy wants you to take shortcuts to shortcut your destiny. Shortcuts to glory cut short your destiny. Trying to take a cut, a shortcut to your glory is going to shortcut your destiny. Satan tried to get Jesus to take a shortcut. Bow down, everybody will bow down to you. There's something about the, listen, there's something about the struggle that prepares you for the spotlight. Let me say it again because you see what name in loud up there. There's something about the struggle that prepares you for the spotlight. 
It's, it's the struggle that God develops us. It's in the dark that God develops us. It's through the pain where God can trust me. When things are hard, can I, will I stay? Will I stick it out? When God sees us going through that, there's something he's trying to set you up for. There's a struggle that he uses in our life. But there's too many people I know, and I've met them throughout the years in ministry, and they say, I'm just waiting on God. I know what I'm called to do, and I'm waiting for God to open the door. As soon as God opens, no, what you want is someone to call you and say, I'll pay you to come and do what you want to do. Oh, I just preached a little bit right there. All right. So the real reason is this, is we got to stop waiting and start serving. Stop waiting and start serving. And as I serve, it will lead me through the pain, through the struggle, develop me so that God can use me and prepare me for what he's wanting to take me. Shortcuts to the glory always end in a bad way. People who try to take shortcuts end up leaving the ministry after five years. People who take shortcuts burn out. People who take shortcuts quit when the going gets tough. But when you struggle along the way, God builds spiritual muscles. God does something inside of you. It's, it's what he wants to do. It's a trap. Don't, don't fall for it. How about another trap? This is a good one right here. Letting what you do define who you are enslaves the, to you to the thing that feeds you the glory. So when I put all of my identity, all of my self-worth in my title, then I'm setting myself up to a slave to that title. Just like when I talked about a few weeks ago, when I'm worried about everybody else's opinion of me, I strap this ball and chain on. And when I go around worried about my title, when I'm worried about my identity being around a title, it enslaves me to that title. God doesn't want you enslaved to that. He wants you to know who you are in him. He wants you free from that title. He wants you free from that. Listen to me. Letting you go of who you are. It's not denying that. It's just saying, God, I'm here because of you. And whether I do this or don't, I'm still a child of God. Let me put it to you another way. When you put your identity into your business, then you become a slave to your business. When you put your identity into your athletic achievement, then you become a slave to your athletic achievement. When you put your identity based on high grades, then you become a slave to your high grades. When you put your identity based on your good looks, then you become a slave to your good looks. And how many know those looks fade? I hate to tell you, those, those looks are going to fade over time. So you better let God do something in you now while you're good looking, all right? You're going to fade over time. Come on, somebody said, Pastor, I got news for you. Black, don't crack. Amen, amen. But I'm telling you for everybody. <laughs> Listen, don't be a slave. Don't be a slave to anything. The reason why is this, that when we lose, if I'm not a teacher... If my identity is being a teacher, then I lose it, right? When I'm a CEO and I'm not a CEO anymore, what happens? Who am I? My number one affirmation must come from who God says I am. This is where we get free from this and walk in freedom is I know my number one affirmation comes from who God says I am. And he says, I'm already loved. I'm already chosen. 
I'm already enough. Come on. Someone get got a hand clap for that. That's who God says I am. So keeping that in mind, now let's look at Jesus' word in Matthew 16, 24. I think it's going to allow this to really take a different meaning for you now. Jesus said then this to his disciples. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Oh, now this comes alive more, right? I deny who I am. And I take on the cross of Jesus. God, it's only because of you. God, if anything good I've done, it's because of you and your favor. If anything happens because of you and your strength, God, I deny myself. I deny myself and take up the cross. If you believe anything good today, next year, 10 years from now, one of these days, some of you will be sitting at my funeral, and I want you to remember these words that I said to you. Anything good that you hear about me is being spoken. It's only because of God's love and God's favor in my life, not because of me. It's because of God. It's God's strength. If God makes my strengths, let me ask you this question. If God makes my strengths, then what else happens? He must also do something different. What is it? I'm going to give you some ways here, and I want you to write these down. As we close out, I'm going to give you three ways to help us avoid these traps I've been talking to you that Satan sets out for us. Number one, acknowledge your dependence on God and others. Acknowledge your dependence on God and others. If God made my strengths, then he must have also made my weakness, right? Now, I'm not talking about weakness as far as addiction. I'm talking about if he makes my strengths, then he's also making the things I'm not good at. Let me put it to you in plain English, okay? He may have made me to preach, but he didn't give me the gift of singing. I know that's disappointing for some of you, right? I can fake my way through a few bars, but I can't. If I was leading you in worship today, you would have been sitting down after the first song. It's not my gift. God didn't give that to me. Why? Because he knew if he gave me that gift, I'd preach and lead worship, and nobody else would ever do anything. But I needed the wife who had a beautiful voice and she could come and she could teach others and she got a music degree and she's raising up a worship team and they can lead. Why? Because it's not about me. It's about us working together for the kingdom. I am only here because of the grace of God. I'm only here because of the mercy of God and the people he's brought in my life. I need others. I need other strength around me. I'm dependent upon others. I got to have good administrators. I got to have good associate pastors. Why? Because we, they do things I can't do and they get things accomplished. And the reason why we've accomplished what we have is because we've done it together. Nobody does it alone. And number two, write this down. Think stewardship rather than ownership. Think stewardship rather than ownership. Stewardship, I am stewarding what God has given. Everything comes from the Father, and my job is to steward it. So if I have a lot, it's because it came from the Father. If I don't have a lot right now, it's okay, because it came from the Father. My job is how am I stewarding what he's given me? We're all called to steward what God has given us. And when I think of stewardship, it makes God Lord. When I think of ownership, it makes me, Lord, this is mine, this is my money, this is my things, this is my ministry, 
this is my job, this is my people, this is my church. That makes me Lord. But I say to God, this is your job. God, this is your church. God, this is your ministry. I'm just here to steward what you've given to me. It changes, the, it takes the pressure off of me and puts the pressure right back on the God who wants to carry that. And number three, I got to accept that God loves you. Accept that God loves you for who you are and not what you do. Accept that God loves you for who you are and not what you do. That's a big one. Realize this. God already loves you. God already loves you. He's already chosen you. He's already picked you. And so I don't have to earn God's love. I'm not trying to earn God's love. God's not going to love me anymore if our church is three times the size it is now than it is right now. Why? Because I'm already loved. I'm already chosen. God's not going to love us any more than he loves us right now. We've got to accept that and stop trying to earn what God has already given us. Quit watering down God's grace and learn to respond to the grace. That's where it changes. Look what it says in Ephesians 4, 4 and 5. But because of his great love for us, God, who was rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our sin and transgression, it is by his grace you have been saved. It's by grace. Anything good happens, it's because of grace. The reason I'm here today is because of God's grace. The reason why I'm here, because of God's grace. The reason why you're here, because of God's grace. I want to close with this story. Five years ago, my family and I went through a really, really hard time. It was a hard time in ministry. I feel like the enemy was trying, I'll be honest, it's like the enemy was just trying to take us out. Thought about resigning, thought about leaving ministry altogether. I had those thoughts. Can I be transparent today? I know, it's, I had those thoughts. But first of all, God sent some amazing people around me who supported us, who loved us, who carried us when I couldn't, couldn't even hardly get out. They carried us with their friendship, with their love, with their mercy. Many great people in this house today. Thank you for your love and support. But in the middle of that time, I remember being tormented by the enemy about what happens if I resign? What happens if I'm not a pastor? What happens? And one night, God woke me up in the middle of the night. It's around 2.30 in the morning. And he spoke to me and I woke my wife up and said, honey, i got to tell you something. She woke up out of dead sleep. She goes, what, 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 what? I said, honey, I want you to know something. It's okay if I'm not a pastor. And she's like, what, what are you saying? I said, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not resigning. God didn't tell me to resign. But I'm, what I want you to know is I don't have to be a pastor. And I was smiling. And she was confused, like, what are you saying? I said, I want you to know this. As long as you and those kids in that hallway as long as they love me, and first of all, as long as God loves me, I'm okay. Whether I'm a pastor, whether I'm not a pastor. Whether I'm serving as a senior pastor, or whether I'm coming and volunteering in another church somewhere. Doesn't make a hill of beans. 
because God's already loved me. God's already chosen me. And my value is not wrapped up in a title. And when I did that, I was released. I was released from that. And it started the healing process in my life. It took the fear of people not liking me. It took the fear of people rejecting me away. It set me free. Listen, I hope you like me, but if you don't, I'm not going to lose any sleep. Why? Because God's already, already chosen me. God's already said, son, I love you. And my value is not wrapped up in a title. I tried to know who God says I am. Today, there's so many people in this room, you needed to hear that because you've been wrapped up in your title way too long. Living in fear, what happens if I'm no longer doing this? And today, God wants you to know who you are. God wants to set you free. I want you to bow your heads. The most, question, most important question of the day is simply this. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you made him Lord of your life? The Bible says we must believe it in our heart and we must also confess it with our mouth. We won't do anything to single you out. We won't do anything to embarrass you, I promise you. But if you have never accepted Jesus Christ today, and you're ready to make him Lord of your life without anybody looking but me. Just raise your hand and say, Pastor, it's me. I'm ready to do that. Thank you. Anybody else? Yeah, thank you. Anybody else want to join him? I see those hands. Thank you. One more time. If you haven't lifted, lift it right now. Let me know. That's you. I want to make sure I don't miss you. Thank you. Let's say this prayer together. As Christians around you, we'll say it with you. Say, Dear Jesus, I surrender all of my life to you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I believe you are the Messiah, God's only son. And from this day forward, I will live for you. I will follow you in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we say welcome to the family of God. Come on, give a big hand clap.